and now uh, we're going to try something very challenging. I'm going to say he is risen, and then you're going to honk out he is risen indeed. He is risen. <clears throat> very good. You might have done that better than the earlier service, so good good job on that. Hey, again, if, if I haven't met you listening online or in our parking lot, my name is Pastor Mike Glotzer. I'm the lead pastor here. Yes, we're uh, worshiping the risen Lord in the middle of a snowstorm. I was out here uh, with some of the crew here setting up yesterday this little uh, cocoon, and we were breaking a sweat. It was really sunny out, and we know with Minnesota weather it can turn on a dime. How fitting, it kind of describes our circumstances if you really think about it. Uh, it's like life was just going along as normal, and then it wasn't. And right now we're in a moment where we all want to get back to normal, don't we? I mean, honk if you miss going out to eat. Yeah. <laughs> and, and how about sports? Honk if you miss sports, right? And honk if you are sick of taking your children or grandchildren to a park to look at the slide that they can't go on. I would honk for that, for sure. There, we got it. Amen. Good. Uh, we can get creative too. Turn your brights on as well. If, if you just really agree, I'd like to get back to normal. This is a bright parking lot. And it's not wrong to want to get back to normal. It's entirely normal to want to go back to normal. But today I'd like us to challenge each other in light of the resurrection that there is actually something better than normal. Think about it. Jesus, when he rose from the grave, he was still Jesus, but he was a different version of Jesus. He was better than normal Jesus. And it's fascinating if you read the gospel accounts some of the differences of the pre-resurrection Jesus and the post-resurrection Jesus, the no longer normal Jesus could walk through walls. For example, we read in Luke, if I can pull out my soggy page, can I just say it's weird not to preach with the Bible, but I didn't want to destroy it here in the snowstorm. Let me read from Luke 24, 37. Uh, 2436, I apologize. While they were telling these things, he himself, Jesus himself, stood in their midst and said to them, peace be to you. So the setting is the upper room. This is where they had the Last Supper. And they thought everything was great, and then it wasn't. We relate to this. Everything was normal until it was not normal. And they watched this would-be Savior, Messiah, be crucified. And they're huddled in fear behind walls. And then Jesus just appears. Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it is myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And then he actually gives them a request, hey, do you have anything to eat? And they give him a piece of fish and he eats. And they're, they're just amazed at this because the door is locked and he's dead. And all of a sudden he's in the room with them. It's as if he is no longer confined by walls or physical barriers. And yet he's real. They can touch him. This isn't normal Jesus. This is resurrected better than normal Jesus. It makes one think, doesn't it? What if 
we should be longing for something better than a return to normal. Because eventually this coronavirus thing, it's going to come to a conclusion and it'll be business as usual or some version of it. And whether that happens in a month or six months, we don't know, but we do know when it gets back to normal, we'll have a choice to make, lots of choices. Will we live like we used to? Will we celebrate just going back to normal? Or is there something even better than normal? If you're taking notes, the first thing to notice in this text is that in light of the resurrection, walls of fear won't confine us. If you look at the disciples, they're terrified of the authorities. They're huddled in fear in the upper room. And then Jesus appears to them. He passes through walls. And then he instills in them the ability to pass through walls, not physically, although maybe that awaits all of us when we are resurrected with Christ. But they pass through the walls of fear. They turn from being terrified into courageous willing to be arrested, physically punished, put to death even. What if, on the other side of this, you have an opportunity to pass through walls of fear and doubt in your life? And I don't know what fears you're struggling with right now, but what if this is like a spiritual reset kind of opportunity? That's what happened to them. They didn't just return to kind of their bumbling ways. If you read the gospel accounts, the disciples follow Jesus. They're constantly questioning him and not getting it right. All of a sudden, they're transformed. And they can pass through walls of fear and doubt because they're following Jesus and they're no longer afraid to proclaim who he is and who he is to them. Remember that person you felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to, to share about Jesus, share Jesus with, to just be real about your faith, but you were afraid. I've been there before, and I'm a preacher. What if it's possible on the other side of this crisis to trust God enough to pass through that fear and just to be very vulnerable about the reason that you have this hope, this eternal hope, this living hope? It is possible, and my greatest hope for you as your pastor is that you would understand that because of the resurrection, you don't have to be confined by walls of fear and doubt. And not just that, think about the walls of busyness we erect in our lives. A lot of us, this has been a good reset because we realize, wow, we just ran and ran and ran and ran and we are the least contemplative culture that's ever existed in all of human history. And we're so busy with all of our stuff and amusements and not all of it's bad, but are we making any time? Are we putting up these walls between us and God and us and other people because of our busyness? Walls of fear and doubt, worry, busyness, they don't have to confine us. Secondly, something better than normal that could come out of this whole experience because of the re resurrection, scars of love will remind us. So walls of fear, they won't confine us scars of love will remind us. Jesus is not the old Jesus. The old Jesus was whole physically, and then he was crucified and tortured to death, and then he's in their midst and he's showing them hands and feet. He's saying, look, it's me. Now, do you ever think that's weird? I do. I mean, if you're totally made whole and resurrected and you're glorified, you're not dead. Why would you have the scars of your crucifixion? And theologians seem to agree 
throughout the ages, they're meant to remind the disciples and us, all who would follow Jesus for all of eternity, how much God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, loves us. Loves all of us, loves you. They're meant to remind us that he loved us enough to die the most painful, humiliating, excruciating death. And so his resurrected body is better than normal. It comes equipped with the built-in reminder. Think about how helpful and practical that reminder is because those moments when we get very insecure and we feel very self-conscious and we feel like we're not good enough and we just kind of start to beat ourselves up, all it would take is to visualize or one day physically look at those scars and be reminded the God of the universe loves me that much. He loves me so much that he chose to keep the scars. And that, I really believe, if you think about it for a little bit, will translate into how we deal with our own wounds and our own scars. Before the coronavirus and the pandemic, maybe it was the case that you just kind of kept your struggles and your wounds and your hurts to yourself. And you put on a front and you made it look like you were doing better than you were doing. One of the good things that's coming out of this time is I think people are getting a little more vulnerable. We're sharing on social media and we all can kind of agree that, yeah, it's not all okay. I was on a Zoom video conference call the other day and someone from another state said, how are you doing? And I said, good, well, Actually, it's really hard. I mean, good considering, but it's really challenging. And he kind of agreed, and it was this business-type meeting. But we didn't just start out with the normal pleasantries of, oh, everything's perfect, everything's great, let's get to business. There was a mutual lamentation there. And what if that translates on the other side of this, and we, like Jesus, start to show people our scars and even our wounds? Maybe it's a matter of showing God our wounds long enough for him to heal those wounds And then also showing people that God can heal wounds and showing our scars. Walls of fear won't confine us. That's what a new, better than normal resurrection life would mean. Scars of love, they would and they will remind us if we hold on to this truth. And thirdly and lastly, recognizing Jesus will open our eyes to eternity. Another peculiar thing about the new resurrected body of Jesus is that people don't recognize him right away. And there's different theories as to why that might be the case. Clearly, the upgrade that you're going to get with resurrection is going to be so stunning that it'll be all you. It will be you, but it'll be a whole new you. And we even see this when people get like a makeover and the big reveal and they come out with a new hairstyle and it's like, whoa, I almost didn't recognize you. You look great. But it's really uncanny. In the gospel accounts, Mary, when she finds the empty tomb and Jesus is actually there, she thinks he must be the gardener. And in her grief, she, she starts saying, where have they put the body of my Lord? And it's not until Jesus says Mary, lovingly says her name that her eyes are open and she can really recognize him. And that's not the only one. In in Luke 24, right where we were reading, there's this account of two disciples walking on a road and the resurrected Jesus just kind of appears in their midst. Now that same day, 
two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you're walking? And it goes on to say, Jesus starts kind of giving them a sermon almost as they're walking. And then fast forward to verse 30, Luke 24, 30, when he was at the table with them, these same two, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. A lot of people listen and watch our podcast who are not believers, you're skeptics. And there's a lot of people who are a part of our church, like a part of every church, who are believers. They're followers of Jesus, but, but it's a very nominal faith. Like, like there'd be a lot of other things in life that take way higher priority than your relationship with Jesus. And you're just kind of okay with that. Here's what I think this crisis could help us do. This spiritual reset with this shutdown and the pandemic and all of it, and the social distancing, I think we have the opportunity to recognize Jesus, to really, really recognize Jesus. Have you recognized him yet? You, you see, they're looking at Jesus. Mary is looking at Jesus, and she doesn't recognize him. And then she hears the personal voice tone of the man call her own name, and her eyes are open, and she falls at his feet and worships him. Maybe today, what you really need is to, is to hear Jesus call your name. I don't know if he's going to do that audibly. He is God. He could do that. But maybe he's calling your name right through this message, right through these life circumstances. And maybe for the first time, you're going to finally recognize him and you're going to start to think through the implications and you're going to go, wow, I don't want to go back to normal. I want to open my eyes and see him and really see the implications of the resurrection, the implications of eternity. I'd like to close with kind of a, a funny little example. I've done this probably many times in sermons, so many of you have seen this, but it's just such a good, helpful illustration for a time like this. I want you to imagine for a moment, this is a hundred foot rope. I want you to imagine that this rope is a timeline of your life, as in this is the starting point of when you were born. Insert the year you were born here. But in this case, this rope never ends. It actually does end 100 feet into the parking lot. Try not to hit anybody's antenna there. And now imagine that this rope just keeps going. It goes over the building, through this snowy atmosphere, all the way out of Minnesota, out of the United States, up into our upper atmospheres. It just keeps going. I want you to imagine that this red part at the beginning of the rope, this is just your life on earth. You're born here, and when the red part ends, that's when you die. But when you're dead, you don't stay dead. You pass through to eternity, and the eternity will either be in the presence of God, in a perfect place where he is king and everyone agrees he's king, or if you choose, away from his presence. And, and I don't want to imagine what any place would look like without any trace of the redeeming love of God. But it is our choice to make because God does not want to be with someone for eternity who does not want to be with him. And can you blame him for that? Now, for some of us, 
this little red portion on the rope is longer than others. I have friends that I deployed with 10 years ago to Iraq, and, and their red line ended at age 19, 26, 22, 51. I think I got those, those uh, numbers right. And it was so sad when we lost them in Iraq. And, and it was really hard for me to comprehend how could their life end. And yet, if you think about it in terms of eternity, the fact that my part of the red rope, my experience on earth is two or three inches longer than theirs is kind of a, a small thing, isn't it? I mean, I know it hurts your head to think. It hurts my head to think about eternity, but the rope never, ever stops. You're going to last forever. So, you see right now we live in a secularized society where we're, our greatest fear is that the red line would end too soon. That we wouldn't have the ideal life experiences. That we wouldn't get to see our daughter walk down the aisle. That we wouldn't get that perfect retirement. That we wouldn't get to have those fun experiences traveling to Europe. That we wouldn't find the perfect job. My friends, if you're in a you and I are going to live forever if this is the preschool for eternity? Don't you see if we can really recognize Jesus? We don't have to cling desperately to this life. We of all people should be the most courageous, the most generous, the most service-oriented because we're free from the fear of death itself. Death is just a doorway. I want to personally invite every one of you listening to a sermon series that we're starting called Imagine Heaven next Sunday. And we'll be streaming. I'm probably not going to do this again. This is a memory maker. I love the, the honking and the drive, drive through church, drive in church. But we'll be streaming as usual. And, and this series is really going to look at what the Bible has to say about heaven in particular. My experience is personally that when I stoke the fires of anticipation in my own heart for the life to come, it has implications for the life here and now. It corrects my priorities. It takes away my fear. May you, this Easter, live in light of the resurrection. Live a new life starting now where walls of fear no longer confine you. May you Look to the scars of Jesus as a permanent, eternal reminder of how valuable you are and how much he loves you and how much he paid to redeem you and all people. And finally, may you recognize Jesus, really recognize Jesus and have your eyes open to eternity. Let's pray as we conclude this Easter service. Gracious God, I thank you for every vehicle, every person in it. I thank you for everyone watching or listening online. This is hard. We admit it. It's odd. It's uncomfortable. It's scary. All of that's true. And yet, as we have this unprecedented Easter, we give you thanks, Lord, knowing that this too shall pass. It will not last forever. And when it does pass, and even before it passes, we have the opportunity to live in fear or without fear, living 
reminded of your love for us or living ignorant and forgetful of that love. Help us to recognize you more clearly. For anyone who has never recognized, never accepted you, I pray this would be their day, that they would simply say, Lord Jesus, I accept your forgiving love. Thank you for dying for me. I want to be with you for eternity. I don't understand it all, but that's true, and that's, that's my desire. I pray that prayer would be, would be genuinely spoken. If for the first time or the hundredth time, Lord, we love you. We thank you that you have not abandoned us. We thank you that you defeated death. We thank you that the best is yet to come, something far better than normal. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, would you receive this benediction? May the risen Lord Jesus bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you profound peace. Happy Easter. He has risen. Thank <laughs> you.